AT&T Threat Track is a roundtable discussion of the latest network security trends and news conducted by AT&T data security analysts. Complete video of this show is available at techchannel.att.com. So Stan, you have something to share with us today about some new malware? Uh, yes, I actually did uh, read an article, Matt actually pointed me at it, about this uh, new malware family uh, targeting the Android debug bridge mm -hmm. on port 555 TCP, right, 5555. Five, four, five. Four, five. Four, five. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so this is a new variant of malware that's already been spreading on that port. I think before we've heard many times about this. We've actually covered it on ThreatTrack many times. Uh, you know, this is a port that gives you full administrative access to Android devices uh, if it's left enabled. Uh, and you don't need any authentication or anything like that. Unfortunately, in this case, it's not the user at fault. It seems like uh, probably one of the flavors of the Android devices came from the manufacturers. I think the belief is that, you know, during the manufacturing process, maybe the developers of certain devices inadvertently left this port open. Um, so what's interesting uh, about this is that before we were seeing like Mirai and all the things spreading on this port, and now a security researcher actually wrote an article about this is something I think he dubbed Trinity. So on October 23rd, I think, is uh, when he wrote the article. And uh, it's just describing exactly in excruciating detail, which is exactly the kind of detail I like, exactly how this thing spreads and how it works. Um, and the one thing, though, is he mentioned that it's a P2P botnet. And um, I think that maybe uh, there's not enough evidence uh, to conclude that. And we certainly don't see it as a P2P botnet um, from our telemetry. Uh, but there's still a lot of very interesting things about this malware. Uh, the fact that it's a, a coin mining malware is not, uh, is not new either. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just a new flavor of coin mine, uh, but, you know, like cryptocurrency mining uh, malware. So, I think uh, mentioning about the miner, we covered about ADB miner, which uses this uh, Android debug port. Yes, exactly. 5555TCP. Uh, I think uh, that one in that case, it uses FBOT, which is a Satori variant, I believe. And the, the uniqueness of uh, that FBOT is it uses MRDNS which is kind of emery coin, it has its own kind of DNS structure. So even the domain name is there, unless you use through that emery DNS, you won't resolve it. Yes. So is there any mention of that? Any? Uh, he did mention this, there's actually a lot of great detail in okay. here. It goes like in a lot of different, uh, uh, he explains a lot of different parts of the malware and of previous malware families. So I definitely recommend everybody read it. And I actually prepared something special for you guys. Mm -hmm. So we've seen these graphs. Uh, this is the port. Uh, this is our port activity for port 5555 TCP for the last 30 days. Okay. And what we're seeing here is just the number of probes, so the volume. So when you look at that graph, you're going to see there's a baseline, okay. and then it goes up a little. And notice that's right actually before the article gets published. Mm -hmm. So just a few days before. And it's clear, you know, the security researcher noticed this activity and noticed this variant. And you could see ever since then, with this malware family, uh, there has been an uptick uh, in the number of probes. Now, I want to show you something that's interesting. The number of scanners. Okay. So the number of scanners is the number of devices concurrently scanning at the same time. And if you look, there is, there is a little bump oh. there, uh, which coincides again with the same time frame. But overall, if you look at the number of scanners per hour, 
uh, it's about the same, which is just under 20,000, about 18,000 scanners yeah. uh, per hour. And that's interesting because what it's telling me is there's a new malware family, there's not more infected devices. I think what it shows us is that the number of devices out there that can be infected with this malware uh, has stabilized and is about the same. But it does look like there are multiple adversaries uh, t looking to take advantage of the vulnerability on this Android debug bridge. So usually we tell people, you know, set a, um, change the default password. In this case, there's no login and password, so you can't do that. Because we tell you to patch, it really isn't a patch that'll fix this? Or? I think it's, just, it's one of those things, uh, you know how people always say, well, Android, and, and they use that as a thing for iPhone, like Apple iPhone is one major uh, brand and then Android is the other, but under Android you actually have a variety of different devices. Exactly. And I think here, there's a set of manufacturers that have left this port open the way it is, mm -hmm. um, and just identifying those specific manufacturers I think is, is the problem. So always keep your firmware up to date. Check the manufacturer's uh, website. If you get a little prompt on your devices, like your DVRs or webcams or even your TV that says it's time to update, it's a good idea to take advantage of that. So Ganesh, I think you have a story for us about the Bushido botnet? Yeah, it's another day, another week, another IoT-based botnet. Uh, this time, um, it's different in the sense it uses, it offers like a DDoS as a service. Okay. So what, uh, what the, these bad actors are doing is they started publishing about this service on a Facebook page. And they've opened up to anyone actually who registered for the service and they have access to the website. The website is so simple, there are only three or four fields to be filled up. Uh, what they're calling is, uh, this is being called as zero X uh, booter, like a stressor service. What they're saying is actually this is being powered by a Bushido botnet, which is basically, I think uh, it came up from the using the Mirai code, and I think they kind of enhanced a little bit. There are some similarities how it works with Mirai and uh, other IoT-based botnets. So uh, it seems that there's just more uh, capabilities uh, built into this specific DDoS uh, service. Uh, one specific feature very interesting to me is they have different tiers for offering the service. It ranges from $20 to $150. They go like a bronze, silver, and gold. Bronze plus, silver plus. And I think uh, the ultimate is a VIP plus or something. A VIP yeah. package, like a car wash. A car VIP wash. car wash. Yeah. Uh, the difference is uh, what is the duration of the attack. Like uh, the least is, I think, 900 seconds and they have only one concurrent attack happening at the same time. I, I believe that's a threat. And that goes up to concurrent. As you go up the tier, I think you get more services. And also, it varies with the level of service, customer service you get. So those are the interesting things. So, I mean, over the last several years, you first of all, you've seen that anybody out there can get access to bots that they didn't compromise themselves. Yeah. There's another example of that. And then it, over time, you've seen how the price has gone down, 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 and then the size of the attack has gone up. So this yeah. just is one more example uh -huh. of low cost and High huge impact. attack. Yeah. The price to rent uh, capacity to carry out these attacks is not going up, it's going down. It's the commoditization of renting uh, bots to carry out a denial of service attack. The way it works is actually, 
the similarities here is how similar to Mirai is it boot for the users' names and passwords. But the long list of usernames and passwords are much, much larger than um, Mirai-based botnets. And typically targeting, I think, four vulnerabilities in this case, GPON routers, Hawaii, we all seen all these Realtek and uh, D1000 uh, Sierra wireless uh, routers. Uh, once it founds that, actually, what it does is uh, it checks an infected device what kind of listening services are running. It checks about 29 listening ports. I think they're all associated with various botnets. And once it finds, it tries to stop all the listening ports. It makes sure it's the only service running it. And coming to the different attack options, Mirai has uh, 10 different attack options, like UDP-based, full SYN, SYNAC, uh, all the various things. But in this case, they have additional three additional attack types coming, bringing it to 13 different attack options. And finally, it also checks the process names and the devices. And again, actually kills them, you know, just to making sure it's the only process running on the devices. Uh, while looking at the actual telemetry data, instead of uh, 29 different ports, in our uh, data, actually, I saw Bushido-related one on port 23. Uh, in this case, I think um, I'm going back uh, past 90 days. Uh, pretty much uh, compared to 555 TCP, the traffic is pretty much uh, similar, you know. I think it has a weekly pattern, weekends it's going, uh, going down and again it's picking up and slowing down. Uh, but in this case, I think it's averaging around 55,000 scanners at any time. I think uh, that's the interesting part I found. There are other ports, uh, but uh, needs to be a little deeper, deeper analysis needs to be done. But at this point, uh, it's evaluated from, you know, from social engineering and you know, coming IoT devices to social engineering, and they're leveraging that to actually do the large attacks in this case. So some of those things that were more, um, had more features or more advanced, we're just expanding upon what the other one used to do, but it's doing more, checking for more ports. Yep. And then it's actually turning off the ones that it's not going to use yeah. so that the device isn't busy doing anything else. What the device focused on our attack. Yeah. Right. Okay. Interesting. So I think the key here is not to use default passwords and to patch against the known vulnerabilities to prevent yourself from becoming a victim. Of yeah, actually, that's true. Actually, if you look at the vulnerabilities they are targeting, one is from 2014. Mm -hmm. So obviously, there. I mean, still there are so many devices with that vulnerability open, and they could be able to leverage it. I think this is another great example of if you have any type of device, if you're connecting it to your internet connection, make sure you're patching it all the time. Hi, Michael. I heard you have a story from USRT about uh, how to protect media and you know recycle media before you know sending it to some offshore place or maybe selling the devices. Can you tell about a little bit about that? Yes, uh, I'd love to share this. Uh, so. Uh, Department of Homeland Security, U.S. CERT, they've issued uh, bulletins throughout the year. This is Security Tip 18-005, and this is on uh, proper disposal of electronic devices. Mm. Um, I caught my eye right away because um, our own team here uh, has this classic video from years back on what do you do to get rid of data, and they show mm -hmm. this hard drive, and the guy's hitting it with a hammer, yeah, and he tries to blow it up and everything. And, but I use that 
whenever our Aspire mentoring program, we have uh, students like seniors in high school come. I always show them that because I want them to think about if I create this data, mm -hmm. how am I ever going to be sure that I was actually ever you know, able to get rid of that data? Because it's so hard to know that data is really gone once it's created. And I love to leave that message with them. So I thought this was very interesting. This is for everybody you know, in the US. It references some other guidelines like NIST. Uh, and there's even a link to an environmental protection agency um, advice on certain types of devices that could have environmental impacts. So you want to be more careful about how you get rid of them. Uh, but I think the, the main thing is just you know, get rid of the data mm -hmm. before it leaves your possession. Uh, factory reset or uh, wiping and then there's tools out there, depending on what the device is, there's tools that let you, you know, write to it over and over to try to make it harder. Mm -hmm. um, I know we use a, a wiping disk when we get to the end of our lease roll for our computers, and you can do the DOD wipe, and it does it, what, like seven times, seven times. or something like yep. that. So um, I thought it was great just to see the advice going out on, think about how you should properly get rid of stuff, do the factory resets, do the wipes, and then also um, lots of reference material on how to do it right. So I enjoyed it. I think it's good they put it out there. Actually, that makes sense because nowadays the most of the electronics being sold are maybe resold here smartphones. So basically, was most of the time, they repose that when a person buys a phone, there's still data available on the world phone. So in that case, actually, that makes sense how to how a user can actually you know wipe the contents of it and resold it. So one way is you said um, factory reset, and maybe there might be some other programs actually they can wipe it for you over and over right. so that it won't hide any you know, intricacies and hidden file systems. So the guidelines that are offered by US CERT uh, are important to letting us, regular people, kind of know like what are the challenges, what should we do, how should we properly get rid of the information on those devices and then how to properly get rid of those devices. So one of the um, students who was here visiting us, he said, why don't you just throw it in an incinerator? And I'm like, well, I guess that works. You worry about the environmental impact probably of incinerating all of the devices. There's definitely, <laughs> I think there's a huge environmental impact of trying to like burn the devices because there's a lot of different types of materials in there and I think that's why they have that link to the, the EPA. EPA guidelines, yeah. You have to be really careful how you get, uh, how you get rid of some of these devices. I believe there are some companies who, who actually do this stuff for people, right? As a like, service? Yeah, as a service. Yeah, makes yeah. sense. I think if you're, if you're super worried about things like that, about the destruction of the device and the data on it towards the end of its life, you got to think of it from the beginning. So you got to use encryption from the beginning. Right. So if you get a new phone and you're worried about how you're going to get rid of it, make sure you enable the encryption. A lot of the phones come with that feature now. Um, especially with the, uh, if you, some of them have the SD card capability, we could put a memory card, and a, a lot of them, if you go into the settings, let you do that, enable the encryption. So now, you know, somebody would have to have the exact same encryption key mm -hmm. as you. And if you separate the SD card from the device, let's say, uh, then nobody will be able to open it. Well, nobody normal, you know, yeah. <laughs> with, nobody with basic tools will be able to open it. Yeah. I always like to reformat it in a couple of the different formats, and I figure you do that a couple times, 
There's probably not okay. much left. Yes, right? exactly. I mean, again, it all depends on what you had on there and how worried you are about it uh, going. You know, there might be a reason to protect that information. So if you have like any specific liability for protecting it a certain way, then you should go through as many of these steps as possible. It could be your personal photos, personal emails, whatever it is. It's important to wipe it off before disposing of uh, any of these devices. Hey guys, I have uh, the internet weather for you today and uh, I want to just show you what stayed the same and a few things that changed. Uh, so, first off, we're going to start with our top 10 most pro ports report. Uh, this is uh, basically the volume of scanning activity on ports and we measure it by the number of scans going independent of how many IP addresses are doing it or anything mm -hmm. like that across the internet. And as you could see, uh, it's the same uh, ports that we usually see. There's our friend Telnet, uh, 445 TCP, which is file sharing. Um, the one that we talked about in the story today is 5555 TCP, which is the Android debug bridge uh, that remains in the top 10. It has been for a few weeks. And actually, the rest of these ports are pretty much all the same things that we've seen. The only key difference, I think, is uh, uh, the 1900 UDP, which appears to have jumped uh, uh, a few places, and that's um, the simple service discovery protocol for UPnP, universal plug and play. Mm -hmm. And that's actually supposed to be a protocol that you only use like inside your local network, uh, but for some reason, some devices expose it outside to the network and unfortunately it can be used for DDoS attacks. So when we see it here, it usually means it's either byproduct uh, by of somebody scanning for devices that have this exposed so they can use those devices for um, amplification attacks, amplified DDoS attacks against this port. Uh, so now we'll go on to the sources probing. Most sources probing, this is the top 10. Again, everything is about the same here, except the one thing that's different is port 5431 TCP. So port 5431 TCP, it's not exactly clear what it is, but we do have some history with this port on the show. In fact, uh, I had to go back a few episodes. Uh, John talked about this port on September 6th, actually with you, Michael. Yes. Uh, and back then, we didn't have many answers, but today, I think, we're seeing a change in the activity from what we've noticed before. So I just wanted to show it to you guys. Um, so I went back and I said, hey, let's look at uh, the scan source activity for this port uh, across a whole year. So from today, go back a year and let's see what that looks like. Now what you're gonna see is a very busy graph here and it looks very strange like, oh Stan, what are you trying to show me? But there's a couple of key things here I highlighted with the red arrows. Mm -hmm. First of all, sometime in the beginning of the year around January, you see like these two little spikes. That's the precursor activity. Prior to that, nothing happened. You see like a zero, yeah. a nice thick blue zero. Uh, but there in the beginning of the year, there's something happened, it's not clear what. And ever since then, since about, I guess it looks like sometime mid-February, this port has been constantly getting scanned, but it's periodic. So what happens is uh, a whole bunch of devices, uh, it looks here like maybe just short of 100,000 max. Mm -hmm. uh, so somewhere, you know, like 90,000 devices or something at a time will suddenly scan this port all at once, go away. A few days later, the same thing. 
Um, and then that arrow there is the last time, you know, John talked about this uh, scanning activity on the show. You could see by the time what John was looking at it, uh, the maximum had gone down. And now, uh, the next red arrow, that's a change in behavior. I was on with John Hogaboom when he talked about it, and then I got to be on with Stan when he covered the same port, and he saw this change in the pattern. Um, so it tells you right away this is still going on, but we haven't quite figured out everything that's going on yet. If you notice those long, thin lines, they get kind of like shorter yeah. and a little bit thicker. And what that's telling me is that the scanning activity it's not happening all at once, it's being distributed over time. Um, so I decided to zoom in on this. And just to give you just an example, so here August 8th is the day I picked, um, and here's just one day, and in this one day you could see when the scanning happens, it kind of happens all at once. And this is yesterday, and yesterday you could see the scanning happened the whole day, 18,000 IP addresses at a time. So you did like 70,000 IP addresses scanning all at the same time, or 18,000 IP addresses over the whole day just scanning. And below that is just the progression, the change of that scanning activity. You could see start, I think it started around September 27th or so, maybe 28th. Uh, you could see that activity happen. Still, it's not clear what this is. Um, there is a, if you, you know, search around for this port, you'll notice that in 2013, I believe there was an exploit for a router that was targeting this port, um, but that's a pretty old exploit. Uh, maybe there's devices looking for it. It's not clear. It's, it's not very easy to conclude. But it is interesting that all of these devices are all suddenly looking for this. Um, so that's what I wanted to bring to your attention, and that's the internet weather for this week. So it looks like you can produce the same amount of probes with more devices in a burst but with fewer devices, but have them do it all day. Exactly. I always thought the reason you wouldn't do it all day is because you were worried somebody would notice and then factory reset or you know make some changes to mm -hmm. turn it off. But it seems like in this case, even though they've done the scan all day, it's still working and doesn't seem to have alarmed anybody and made them stop doing this. Yeah. It's possible probably sources might be moving around, maybe at one hour, a couple of hours, it's coming from one specific reason. Maybe later point, maybe they're moving to different set of sources from different location. Uh, that's a, just a theory. Yep. Yeah, there's definitely some experimentation going on by whoever is a part of this. And it looks like maybe they're playing with some kind of a setting or a time delay or how, you know, how to send the command to different people. But it is interesting that how related everything mm -hmm. is. You know, there's a set number of devices. They're not, you know, infinite, there's probably a hundred thousand or eighty thousand or so. And so this adversary is just either spreading it out mm -hmm. or doing it all at once. It's just very interesting to see. So it's something that we're going to keep our eye on. It's something that we're going to continue researching and try to figure out what is going on, uh, and what's causing this, who's behind it. The views expressed on AT&T ThreatTrack are those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views of AT&T or any other person or entity.